All right. Well, we are diving back into the life of Daniel the prophet this morning. And today we're going to look at why Daniel or how Daniel lived a life worth living. And so two weeks ago, uh, we, were, we examined the leadership of Daniel. Then last week, while I was across the world, Wally Bryson stood up here and man alive, can I tell you, I had no idea, but he absolutely crushed it last week. And I was so grateful for that. Amen. Amen. I listened to that message last week. I think we were in Taipei, which is the ancient city of Ephraim. Um, and I was just so grateful for what he shared. And it reminded me of so much. It connected so much with my heart last week as we were in the Holy Land. Well, today, a life worth living. And here's the one word that if you were going to write down a word that sums up Daniel's life that I believe is the reason why he led a life that was really worth living, it's the word integrity. More than anything else, it's integrity. Integrity can be a slippery slope, a slippery word to try and pin down. In fact, it, it, I read this joke. I don't usually tell jokes, um, but I read this joke this week. And it says, you invite a philosopher to, into a room and you ask, what is integrity? And he'll tell you that his integrity is what you are like when nobody else is around. Now, if you invited a businessman into the room and asked him, what is integrity? And he would say, integrity is giving your word and keeping it. But if you invited a lawyer into the room and asked, what is integrity? He quickly goes to the windows, pulls down the shade, shuts the door, then comes over and whispers, what do you want it to be? <laughs> That's exactly why I don't tell jokes, okay? You know, integrity comes from a math term. What's the math word? Integer, that's right. And an integer is a whole number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. As opposed to a number that has been broken in half. A number that has been broken into parts would be called what? A fraction. A fraction. And even I who hate math and know nothing about it know this much. Okay? So the idea of integrity concerns wholeness more than anything else. It has to do with something that's not been broken apart. It's complete. It, it, it's, it's in, in its entirety. I have a friend who's an engineer who specializes in railroads and bridges. And when he goes out to a job site, one of the most important things that he is trying to determine with a bridge, especially that is of some ages, does the bridge still have, what's the word? Does it still have integrity? Is it still whole or is it ha has it begun to break apart even in unseen areas? Another way to look at it is this. The word integrity is also related to another word, integrated. So integrity is when all aspects of our lives are integrated and working together as a whole. When, when, when your spiritual life and your physical life and your emotional life and your relational life, when they're all integrated together, working as a whole, a person who says one thing but does another thing, what do we call them? We call them a hypocrite. But really what we're talking about with a person who does one thing one day and may act another way another day, even more than being a hypocrite, that person is fragmented. That person is sort of 
on some level inside, something is not working together as a whole. The word hypocrite comes from the Greek word hypocrites for actor, because we put on a face. We act one way. Now, now Christians, followers of Jesus, sometimes we are hypocrites. But we're not hypocrites, believe it or not, when we walk out of this room and we, when we act like the world. We're not a hypocrite for saying we're a Christian. We're a hypocrite for acting like the world. Because that's no longer who we are. We've been delivered from the domain of darkness. And so we're hypocrites when we pretend to be down in the dumps and somebody we're not. When we pretend to still be a sinner. That's when you're a hypocrite. Not when you show up on Sunday and sing praises to Jesus. That's when you are who you really are. Someone who is saved by the grace of God. But a hypocrite is not living a life of integrity. They're, they're, they're the opposite of working as a whole. They're fragmented. They may feel or think one way and live or act in a completely different way. So a person who has integrity, more often than not, is consistent. And their whole life will reflect that while a hypocrite is a person that will reflect their brokenness, that things are broken apart inside of them. When we look at the life of Daniel, as we have over the last several weeks, we see a man, not a perfect man, not a sinless man, a man that had issues just like you and I have issues. Daniel was a sinner just as you and I are. But Daniel, as we have learned over the past several weeks, was a man who had a heart for a couple of things. And this is one of the first ones we talked about. He had a heart to influence his enemies. He had a heart to invest in other exiles, to love those that are in the family of God, to encourage them on to good deeds. He was a man that led with conviction. He lived with conviction. He led with conviction and humility. And today we see that he lived a life worth living. Well, what's the secret of it? It's integrity. It's integrity. What does that look like? Well, what we're talking about is an excellent life. Not a perfect life, not a life free from pain. That certainly wasn't Daniel's life, but Daniel did live a life worth living, a life of excellence, of wholeness and integrity. So we're going to look at Daniel again today. We're going to look at familiar stories again, and we're going to look at them through a slightly different lens this morning. And here's what I want you to see today, that life is a series of opportunities for your whole self to be divided in, in other words, life is full of opportunities for you and I to sacrifice our integrity. And that's not God's desire for you. God's desire is that you would be whole. God's desire, oftentimes when we talk about integrity, we only think of the character aspect of it. But it's more than that. God's desire is that you wouldn't be fractured. That you wouldn't feel like you're coming apart at the seams. That's integrity. So this is what God's desire for you is, that you would be whole and undivided. Listen to the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Listen to these two words that we're, we're going to mention to you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is not saying that God's desire for you is that only your spirit be sanctified. 
God is not saying, or Paul is not saying, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that only your spirit be found whole. He's hinting at something much deeper. He says, may, may you be sanctified completely and may your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. That's his desire, that God would make you more like his son, Jesus. And may the process of you becoming more like Jesus, that sanctification, be complete in your life and... May you experience wholeness in your soul and spirit as a result of what God is doing in you. Here's the deal. What God wants for me, what God wants for each of us is for our good. But what he desires for us is that we would have, as Daniel did, an integrity of life. That our whole life would be moving in one direction. That we wouldn't be a person that has secrets that we keep from everyone. He doesn't want you to lay awake at night full of regret. He doesn't want you to walk around with your head hung in shame because you are thinking things that you dare not say out loud. A person who has real integrity beyond just the character trait we often think about. Their life is whole. They are the same body, soul, and spirit. He doesn't want you to deal with the constant anxiety of someone checking your browser history on your computer. He doesn't want you to be stressed out if your spouse picks up your cell phone to see what's on there. God's desire for you is peace and wholeness that only comes when he develops integrity of life in you as a whole person. Of all the character traits we can look at, without this one, your life and my life will not have a quality of excellence that Daniel's had. And if you do not develop integrity in your life, if you do not allow the Lord to build this wholeness in your life, you will not be a person that is trusted by others and you will learn not to even trust yourself. And you'll have a fractured soul because of it. So just two points that we're going to look at today. Number one is this. integrity. Your integrity will be t- tested time and time again. Your integrity is going to be tested time and time again. If there's one thing that we can look at the life of Daniel and say with certainty about integrity is that everywhere he turned, his integrity was tested. There's a couple ways that we see integrity tested in our lives that we also see reflected in Daniel. First is this, your integrity will be tested by tragedy. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. You remember this passage. This is in chapter 1. These are the first verses in Daniel. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family... And of the nobility. Among these were who? Daniel. Following his first invasion of Judah and the siege of Jerusalem in 606 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar took hostage dozens, maybe hundreds of quality, most likely Jewish teenagers 
to ensure his plans for expansion of his kingdom. And really, we're talking about dominance of the known world. One of those teenagers was destined for greatness. And today, his name is synonymous with the very word we're talking about today. His name is synonymous with integrity, with an uncompromising spirit. His name, of course, is Daniel. And what we read about here is a tragedy in his life. It's a tragedy of monumental proportions. Jerusalem has fallen. Now, every single one of us in this room has witnessed heartbreaking moments Right Where we, we think, I, I mean, I read this and I think, oh, I can relate to Jerusalem falling. No, we can't. We absolutely can't relate to a tragedy, the scope of Babylon invading Jerusalem, that Jerusalem has fallen and items from the very house of God have been stolen. On no level can I look at this and say, oh, I understand because I watched something happen on my TV January 6th a few years ago. Times a million is what's going on here. It is crushing to the soul of the nation and to Daniel, a man whose heart was for the Lord. This was the place where Yahweh interacted with his people and Daniel is kidnapped. He's taken from his parents, his cousins, his his siblings, his community against his will. And and he's kidnapped and taken hundreds of miles from his home into a culture that he does not know, approve of, or understand. And you and I are going to experience tragedy in our lives. You are going to get bad news. You have gotten bad news. You have walked through what you would consider to be deep water or fires in the past. And you are going to experience loss and pain. And these are occasions for you to sacrifice your integrity. So don't. Don't. Don't sacrifice yourself on the altar of your pain. Uh, as we were in the Holy Land this last week, there are, you know this, right? If you've ever even looked at a map, you know that there are two large bodies of water in the Middle East, okay? Especially within Israel, in between Israel and Jordan in, in several places. Those two bodies of water are what? The Sea of Galilee, which is the largest freshwater body of water in the entire Middle East. And then the second large body of water in Israel is what? The Dead Sea. What's the difference between the two? The difference between the two is if you go out onto the Sea of Galilee and you take a fishing rod with a minnow on it and you sit there, eventually you may catch something. But if you do that in the Dead Sea, you're going to come up disappointed. Why? There's nothing alive in there. Why? That's right. But why? Because nothing leaves the Dead Sea. Nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. It is a place where things gather to die. And if your life is more like the Dead Sea than it is the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee has fresh things coming into it, but it sends things out. It doesn't just focus on holding everything to itself. 
If you're, if you're a dead sea, you, the pain comes in and you just gather it. And you hold it there. Or the blessings come in. No matter what they are, the blessings of fresh water come in. But you just hold them there. And you never let anything out. You will become bitter like the Dead Sea. You will begin to break apart on the inside. We talked about this last week as we were traveling around the Holy Land. The team that I was blessed to travel with. And just several times, this came up. I hope I don't offend anybody with this. But we all remarked how sometimes with senior saints, I don't know if there's a better term for folks that have a little age on them, but senior saints, folks that have walked with the Lord, that are followers of Jesus, but are, have gained a few decades, we all remarked that really, it was really odd at different times during the week that we run into two different types of people who walk with the Lord and who have walked with the Lord for a long time. And you know the types. You run into elderly people, whether they're in the church or not, really, that are joyful. They have just a, a presence about them. My, my own grandmother, my dad's mom, she had dementia, and it, 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 her powers of speech went quickly. But my grandmother, her name was Mary. Mary was the most joyful person I may have ever been around in my life. I don't recall. Now, maybe Dad did growing up, heard some crosswords from his own mother when he, you know, uh, 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 got in trouble for one thing or another. But I don't recall ever hearing her raise her voice. I don't recall in all of my life ever hearing my grandmother say one negative word about somebody else. And every time I went to see her, and I had the privilege of, of visiting her for years towards the end of her life. Every time I went to see her, even after she could no longer communicate or talk to us, every time I went to see her, she had a smile as big as her face on. And she had been through tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. She couldn't even speak anymore. She couldn't even communicate. And for some reason, this woman just kept on smiling. And then I've known other people, and you have too. You have them in your life right now. That have experienced the same things, but for some reason, those same things have caused them to become angry and bitter. We all have tragedy in our lives. We all have hard things. And some of you have been through far more tragedy than the rest of us could even comprehend. But it is our choice of how we will let it affect us. You can become a dead sea and allow all of that to well up in your life and it will cause your very soul to begin to break apart. And you'll be bitter and angry. Or you can be like a freshwater reservoir. The blessings and the pain come in and I'm going to send it all out. I'm going to take it and I'm going to transform it and I'm going to send it on down the river for somebody else. Pain and tragedy will test your integrity. But your integrity will also be tested by disappointment and stress. Disappointment and stress. In Daniel chapter 1, in verse 5, it says, The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. 
And you know verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. The Babylonian food consisted of, why is this a big deal? Because the Babylonian food consisted of unclean meats that were not killed properly according to the Levitical law. These animals also might have been sacrificed to pagan gods. So they were a deal breaker for Daniel. He said, hey, look, I would prefer not to engage in that. I'm asking your permission to keep my integrity, these vows that I've made before the Lord, that I've committed to him. Daniel didn't wish to be intoxicated with the royal wine. Why? He wanted to keep a clear mind. What, what, What is all this? It's a disappointment in his life. Like, I've had tragedy, now it's just, now you want me to do this? Like, now you want me to be educated in your schools? Now you want me to eat your food? What did Daniel lose? He lost ease. Have you ever been in a, 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 a season of life where nothing seems easy anymore? That's Daniel's life. I hear you. This is Daniel's life. It's okay for the rest of you to say yeah as well. This is Daniel's life. He lost simplicity. He's lost his culture where everyone around him was rowing in the same direction. He he, he did not lose the ability to follow God or his ability to honor him. But I do believe it became harder in Daniel's life. For some of us, this is a situation that would just be full of stress and anxiety. You remember this? Remember when culturally we had a moment like this that probably we've never experienced before? Do you remember during the height of the pandemic, many people found themselves anxious, even if before they would have not considered themselves or been considered an anxious person? That we felt fear and worry regarding health and loved ones because there was so much uncertainty? Finances, politics, And traditional church culture has told us that we're supposed to just pray away or ignore our stress, our anxiety, and our disappointment. The world tells us that we should just medicate away our stress and anxiety. And both tragedy and anxiety, stress, and disappointment tend to pull us towards similar ways of coping and dealing. And there is a danger here. We can begin to see our lives Splinter when we don't get what we want. And I'm not trying to minimize it. This is real disappointment. This is real stress. This is real significant anxiety in Daniel's life and has been in your life as well. But when we don't get what we want, when life doesn't happen the way we think it should, when we want to scream at the top of our lungs, it's not fair. Where do we turn to in that moment? We cope. We cope with our anger. We cope with resentment. Some will cope with alcohol. Some will cope with illicit drugs. Some will cope with over-the-counter medicines. Some will cope with TV. Some will cope with gossip. Some will cope with pornography. Some will cope with money. All of these ways of coping have the tendency to splinter your soul and break it apart rather than giving you integrity of life and wholeness of life. Before we look at the solution, let's press in just a little further. 
Because not only will your integrity, the wholeness of your life, be challenged by hardship, and that's all we've talked about so far, but your integrity will also be challenged by success. Your integrity will be tested by success and privilege. Daniel chapter 2, verse 48. Then the king gave Daniel high honors, many great gifts. And this phrase right here, made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. All throughout Daniel's life that we read in the scriptures, he finds success. All throughout his ministry, he, 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 he wins I mean, it is success story after success story. And success brings with it a different kind of test, doesn't it? Some of you have experienced it. Some of you haven't yet. You're like, I'm, I'm ready for a test of integrity that comes from making too much money. Right? Some of you are like, sign me up. Okay? When we are successful... When we have great privilege, our integrity is tested. There's a tendency to look at the good things that are happening and what happens when they do. We become prideful. I, I, I don't know, students in the room, like you've ever, I mean, you had the, I mean, the game-saving tackle. You, you had the game-winning hit. You, you crushed it on your exams. Adults in the room, you got, you got the promotion. You're recognized for something in your career. But what happens? There's a tendency for us to think, I've worked hard, look what I did. See, success and privilege, the, the status that some of us enjoy it tests the wholeness of our life because we have a tendency, because of our brokenness, is to say, well, look what I've done. Man, I am such a big deal. Success will challenge and test your integrity like few other things will. Success and privilege will challenge and test your integrity. All the way back in chapter 1 of Daniel, we find Daniel in the midst of trial, being given privilege. And, and if you noticed, Daniel didn't argue with the education he didn't argue with the training program. He didn't argue with the future in the king's court. He didn't even balk when Ashpenaz named him Belteshazzar after a false god. Where did Daniel throw down the line? Daniel drew the line where the scripture did. He wouldn't eat the king's food or drink the king's drink. Why? Because they went against his convictions that came straight from God's word that God had given to him. When Daniel stood before kings and prophesied and was found to be right all throughout the book of Daniel, he was continually honored and elevated. He was proven correct. Look at Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. We'll just glance here really quickly. Daniel chapter 5, 16 and 17. Here's the challenge to Daniel. If you could read the writing and make known to me its interpretation... You shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck, and you shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. New king comes along, new vision, new crazy stuff's going on in Babylon, and he says the same thing basically that Nebuchadnezzar had said to him years before. If you can tell me what it means, 
You'll be elevated and found successful. This is what Daniel says in verse 17. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself. Give your rewards to another. In other words, I don't need what you have. Why? Because I have enough. I have my integrity. I have a wholeness in my life that cannot be bought with riches, that cannot be bought with pleasures, that cannot be undone with temptation because I have set my identity in something that does not change. Let your rewards be for another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Your life, wholeness, or integrity will be tested by tragedy, but it will also be tested by blessings. How are you going to see those? How are you going to steward those? Will you use those for your own benefit and be a dead sea and just accumulate them? Will you be a source of living water for other people? Will you focus on others? That's what Daniel did all throughout his life. Your life wholeness will be tested by success and by being right. What do you do with that? You become smug? You become prideful? These are opportunities for your life to grow more fractured or to grow more whole. So let's just talk really briefly about the key to integrity of life or wholeness of life. And flip over to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, verse 23. After the lion's den, says this of Daniel. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. The difference between a life of integrity, a life of wholeness, and a life that is fractured and broken is not determination. It is not a strong will. It's not being talented and able to perform. It's not the ability even to push through hard circumstances. It's not even accountability. That's not what's going to win the day in your life and mine. The difference is so simple, but it doesn't come from obeying rules. It always, watch, mark my words, it always comes from an overflow of what is in your heart. Always, time after time, Old Testament and New Testament, the Lord God, Jesus himself, always pushes through all the arguments, all the religious talk, and he says, it's about the heart, it's about the heart, it's about the heart, it's about your heart. I want your heart, I want your heart, I want your heart. Until I have your heart, you won't have wholeness of life because this is the key to everything, he says. Let me show you this in the New Testament. Flip over to Matthew chapter 15. Jesus brilliantly teaches and demonstrates this for us here. In Matthew chapter 15, the religious crowd are verbally wrestling with Jesus, the most conservative religious group in the nation who are so concerned with the rules and regulations are challenging Jesus. They could not understand that God was looking for people that didn't get everything right, but that he was looking for people. He was looking for something else. He's looking for something else other than just the people who are really good at obeying the rules. So he reviews some of the rules and commandments with them. 
the don't do this things, the do that instead things, the don't look at that, don't think this way, don't do that. He, he reviews some of them, and he says these are outward things. And Jesus says, you guys are experts in missing the point. Look at verse 17. Jesus speaking. He says, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth and passes into the stomach and is expelled, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person? Guys, it's not about the long, long list of things you can do and can't do, things you can eat and can't eat. Those are secondary is what he's saying. Verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. Out of the heart come murder. Out of the heart come adultery, Jesus says. Out of the heart come sexual immorality. Out of the heart come theft. Out of the heart come false witness. Out of the heart come slander. And Jesus says these things are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, while it may be a bad idea, kids, they don't defile anyone. There are a lot of people today who are trying to be good people. And maybe you spend a lot of time trying to be good, but do you ever have moments? Just, I mean, tell the truth to yourself. I'm not asking you to admit this to anybody else in the room, but I am asking you just to allow the Lord to search your heart here. Do you ever have moments when you are trying so hard to do good or something that you know is absolutely evil and disgusting, some horrible thought comes into your mind about another person, about yourself, about a desire that you know is as crooked as the day is long? Where does it come from? It comes from the heart. Integrity sees good things flowing from the heart. It's not about trying to be good. It's, it's about the overflow of what God is doing on the inside. How do we get this? The same way Daniel did. Because what was said of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 is that Daniel trusted in his God. What's that called? That's called faith. He just trusted in God. What did he trust in? Well, the New Testament way of thinking about this is to listen to these words. Here's what faith says to you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are indeed a follower of Jesus, if you're not, you can be today. You, you, you can have good things flow from your heart. You can have a heart transformation this morning. But here's what faith says to you as a follower of Jesus Christ. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by trusting God. I live by faith in the Son of God. Here's the key, gang. Who loved me. This changes everything. How do you have integrity of heart? By believing the promise that God actually loves you. When tragedy strikes, you have to press in and believe that God loves you. When success comes, you have to believe that God loves you. And this isn't coming because you've earned it. This is coming because God has allowed it, but he loves you in the good and in the bad. And this is what builds integrity, wholeness of life in you, so that overflow of the heart can happen. 
with good things. The answer to living a life worth living and emulating is to recognize who you are in Christ Jesus and to live the life by faith that I am loved and accepted by God. And because of that, the Spirit of God is making war against my flesh and I have victory when I live by faith. And when you live a life of wholeness, a life of integrity, here's what you're going to find. You will draw lines of conviction where Scripture draws lines. You will be unashamedly bold in your witness of the goodness of Jesus with other people. When you recognize that all of life is an opportunity for your integrity to be uh, tested and challenged, tragedy, disappointment, doesn't mean we don't have the right to get angry or to mourn. You do. God did not make you just a spiritual being. He made you a human being with all of the emotions of a real-life person. And it is good and acceptable and should be encouraged to mourn when it hurts, to be angry when there's injustice. Your heavenly Father is big enough that He can handle all of the emotions that are welling up inside of you. And integrity means you don't deny them means you tell the truth about what's going on inside your soul. Doesn't mean we don't have the right to be angry, to mourn, to get anxious. I love what Louis Giglio says about disappointment and anxiety. He says, we can either speak doom and destruction, kicking our worry and stress into high gear, which is what I do. When I get worked up over something, which may not be that often, but when I get worked up over something, what do I do? I begin to prophesy gloom and doom over myself and my situation. Or we can recount the size and the character of the Almighty. Releasing our outcomes to Him and centering our thinking on His sovereign plans. Our success and privilege are opportunities for our integrity to be tested and challenged. And if you've fallen, beloved, if you've fallen into a pattern of compromise, confess it as sin to the Lord. Repent and look at Daniel as an example of unwavering integrity. Then seek the Lord's help. That the overflow of your heart would be obvious in the rest of your life. You know what the word sincere means? That's another word that we could use for integrity. Anybody? It comes from a Latin word, which means without wax. Without wax. That's a strange thing. It's a marketplace term. And it originated... In ancient Rome, if anyone wanted to buy a a statue, something that had been worked on, it was very valuable, Um, something finely carved with, I mean, just artisanal craftsmanship, they would venture to the marketplace in Rome and they would look for booths bearing a sign, and the sign would say, sine sera, meaning without wax. Because there were many merchants in ancient Rome who would take broken figures, broken pieces of pottery, and they would repair the crack with wax. And then they would paint over the wax and over the stone, but you wouldn't know it. I don't know if you've ever bought something and taken it home and it wasn't nearly as good of a deal as you thought it was in the store. Usually if you buy things on TV, it's going to end up that way. If you've bought something, taken it home, you're like, this is not what was advertised. You understand what's going on here. 
Because it would only become visible when the figurine, the statue, or the bowl was set out in the sun, the wax heated up and began to melt away, and you would see the deficiency in what you have purchased. So the term, sine sera, without wax, means this is a product of integrity. It's real. It's got flaws, and it'll have flaws. You can see them. It's got chips in them. You see them. You got scars. There's no need to hide them. Be a person, as much as it depends on you, that is true, that's not false. So I challenge you today, let's be men and women, let's be students who are faith-filled followers of Jesus who are real. Don't be a fraud. God is looking for real, genuine articles of faith, and we can be that by faith in his completed work in our lives. That's what Daniel was. It's a product of disappointment and tragedy, success and blessing. But he had wholeness of life because he trusted in God to do the work in his life. That's bad eyes closed, if you will. Dear ones, this morning, I just want to encourage you, like if you are in the room or you're online with us this morning and the Lord is speaking to you about an issue of integrity. Maybe you've got things in your life, habits or just compromises, continual compromises in your life that haunt you. Let me just be real with you. You cannot beat them on your own. Not a one of us in this room is strong enough To kick soul addiction and idolatry on our own just because we try really, really hard. But that doesn't mean there's no hope in your life. It just means you need to take hold of someone who is stronger than your willpower is. So this morning, I just want to encourage you, whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, take hold of Jesus this morning. If you're not a believer, take hold of Jesus and let him save you. Let him deliver you from from a life where it's impossible to have integrity. In a moment, we're going to say amen. We're going to stand up and sing. And I just want to encourage you, if you need to trust in Jesus this morning, you come forward, you take one of us by the hand. Just let us know. We'll pray with you and introduce you to the great Savior of your soul. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room this morning and you're convicted because you are not living a life of integrity, then could I just encourage you? Nobody's going to think anything of you. Because really, just about every one of us in this room have some issues we're working on or that the Lord's working on in us. When we stand and sing, you need to come and pray. Come and pray. You need to get on your knees right there at your pew. Get on your knees. You need to get out in the aisle and bow down. You do it. Just be obedient to what the Lord is saying to you. Be responsive to what his spirit is saying in your spirit right now in this moment. Heavenly Father, you are good and gracious to us. You allow. You tell us in your word. You cause the sun to rise on the godly and the ungodly. The just and the unjust. We all experience tragedy, disappointment, success, and blessing. That's just life. Teach us to be people individuals who take what you give us we turn it back to you 
both the good and the bad. Help us to be men and women of integrity who have a wholeness of life and aren't fractured on the inside. We love you. It is in your blessed name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we worship the Savior together?